Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Bank Tech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. BankTech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders and management teams to maximize the impact for community banks as well as their businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate and invest in the future or a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to BankTech Ventures at banktechventures.com. My guests today are Mike Kelly and Craig Lounsbury of CBAI, which is Community Bankers Association of Illinois. Craig is the president of CBAI, and Mike is the president of the affiliated Community Bank Service Corporation. Together, they support most of the over 350 community banks in the state of Illinois, and they are huge advocates for community banks, both there and nationally. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. It's been an absolute pleasure for me to get to know them these past couple of years and work together in areas of fintech and innovation as we both try to help community banks embrace uh, the great digital future. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Look forward to this conversation. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I gave a quick intro, but let's start with a bit of orientation as most of my audience doesn't have a lot of explanation or understanding of state banking associations and service corporations. So why don't we start with both of your organizations? And and Craig, why don't we start with you on how do you work to support community banks in Illinois? Yeah, so um, just, just as a bit of background, um, CBAI was created actually 50 years ago on February 27th of 2024. So next year, we will be celebrating our 50th anniversary as a trade awesome. association. Very cool. um, and, you know, and the impetus and what a lot of people don't you know, know about it. Um, the, the, the association was actually incorporated by five community bankers. It wasn't by staff or someone, you know, somebody trying to look to create an association and bring members in. It was by the bankers that were already a part of a subcommittee, um, which was actually the independent community bank subcommittee of the IBA, which had been called several different things, um, bankers against monopolistic banking and the committee on monopolistic banking and other things. Um, and what these bankers finally decided after working with the IBA uh, on, especially on, you know, branch banking and multi-bank holding companies and unit banking was that they needed a standalone association because their voices were being drowned out by the larger urban members who were advocating for, um, you know, branch banking and multi-bank holding companies, um, in Illinois. So they created this association, um, on their own, um, with, you know, the sole purpose of, of, um, supporting community banks. And that's been our purpose for 50 years. In fact, our tagline is the same as what the ICBAs is, One Mission Community Banks. Um, And again, you know, 50 years ago, it was branch banking, and that issue was um, settled uh, in in the 80s. Um, But, you know, it's still relative today. I mean, community bankers need an independent voice for community banks. um, And it's shown again this year when the uh, failures of um, SVP and Signature Bank happened last year. The ICBA and CBAI and the other 24 community bankers association across the country 
you know, basically came out and said, hey, community banks should not be on the hook for this. Um, and some of the other banking associations were silent on that. Um, the ones that say they, you know, represent all banks. And so um, that's our goal. That's what we do. We represent only community banks. Uh, we don't apologize for it. Uh, we're unwavering. It's, it happened. I've, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been a CEO for just over five. And, you know, I was uh, senior vice president of government relations for 10 years before that. Um, and so, you know, they've been doing it for 35 years before me. So, um, I mean, and that's how, and basically I'll, I'll lead into Mike. So, you know, back in the eighties when, you know, the first, the, the pillar that this thing was stood up on was advocacy. Um, but the leadership bankers and, and, and the small staff at that time, and it was a small staff, um, you know, there was only, we only had one staffer, you know, Bob Winger, who ran the association for like 44 years, I think. Um, he was the only, he was the only staff for a couple of years. Um, then they started adding staff and what they realized was we, you know, in order to create a, you know, a strong association that needed to be more than just advocacy. And so the other two pillars that they stood up in the 80s, one was education. We now have one of the strongest education departments probably in the country for any bank association, any size. Um, and then the other one was services. And, um, you know, CBSC, I think, um, was, you know, kind of created under a different name in the early 80s. And then Maybe 1987, Mike can, can tell you the exact date, um, was actually named the Service Bank, the, the um, Community Bankers Service Corporation, um, and has been going strong since then and is probably a model for most service corporations in the country. Um, and you can ask, you know, that's my opinion, that's Mike's opinion, but it's also other, you know, association opinion, and it's also a vendor's opinion. So I'll let Mike talk a little bit about the service corporation. Well, thank you, Craig. Great, great on-ramp. And yeah, Mike, um, I think he gave you a, a great uh, intro as well. So I uh, would love to get your your more info on, on CBSC. Sure. So as Craig said, CBSC was formed about 35 years ago to aggregate the combined purchasing power of CBAI member banks to negotiate discounts and improved access to essential bank products, products and services. But as a subsidiary, CBSC has greater flexibility in pioneering new services and programs while protecting the assets and tax status of the association, CBAI. So over the years, we've invested in a number of different companies. We owned an insurance agency and sold an insurance agency. We've invested in other uh, business partners that serve community banking. And as you are well aware, we, recent, we invested in Bank Tech Ventures uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, so that's that uh, uh, that we think uh, bank bank tech ventures, as you know, bank bank tech ventures. Pardon me for stumbling over that. Has introduced bankers to scores of community banker friendly fintechs that have improved their operation while generating a return on their investment. So it's been a real win win for us and our bankers and for bank tech ventures and the fintechs. Well, thanks, Mike. It uh, yeah, it's been a great partnership, and I mean, there's a reason I think that you guys are the the first state association that I've ever had on my podcast because I do feel like after now meeting many across the country, there just aren't ones focused on community banks that have developed such a rich set of capabilities and, and services as you guys. So, kudos to you, and and I saw it firsthand. Um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of attending your annual convention a few months ago. And one thing that I just was amazed by is the, it's this like, I don't even call it a collegial camaraderie that exists amongst everyone there. And it's the bankers, it's the, 
your your staffs and even the other companies that are there, the service providers and the vendors or regulators there. There's just this camaraderie that I thought was very, very cool. What what do you think it is about community banking that brings that out? Well, I'm, I'm happy to start and let Mike jump in. Um, you know, quite frankly, community banking is relationship lending. It's always mm-hmm. been relationship lending. It's always going to be relationship lending, no matter what regulators and Congress and, and everybody else tries to tries to do to change that because that's the best way to, to lend. And in order in order to do relationship lending, you got to have good relationships with people. Um, and that's what's happened over the years. I mean, these bankers, you know, they have relationships with, you know, their customers, but they develop relationships with other bankers and through the association. They're in CEO forums and CFO forums. And so they get, you know, they meet on a quarterly basis to do all that marketing forms. Um, but, you know, but, you know, the convention brings them all together once a year. And these are people they some of these folks have probably been coming to this thing, for, you know, since I've been, you know, in high school. I mean, it's I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's been going on a long time. Um, and so it's a way to see they see each other again. Um, they develop those same relationships, even if it's just for three or four days. And some of them will tell you that they learn just as much and maybe more with their from their conversations with their peers um, than they do with, um, you know, even by, from the education sessions and, 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 and we've carried that and we, as an association, I think, you know, most of the, you know, vendors, and we don't even like to call them vendors. We like to call them partners or, and associate members will tell you that we treat them a little differently than other state associations, um, do because we treat them as partners. Um, and we bring them into the fold. And when we, if we want them to do business with our community banks, then our community banks, I mean, like I said, the relationship people. And they're not going to do business with someone that they don't think they can develop a relationship with. And so that's why we think it's important for, you know, our partners to show up and to convention and exhibit and create those relationships. Um, And and, and that's really what it's all about. And and Mike, I don't know if you want to add on to that, but that's that's been my take on it for 15 years. Yeah, there's very little to add on to it other than that community banking as a culture naturally attracts people who have a servant's heart and people who want to serve, have a Mm -hmm. mission of service. and. Those are our community bankers, and we're so proud of them. Well, and I, I've certainly felt it. I mean, within your organization as a partner, I've felt that embrace um, since this came together. So I, uh, I appreciate it and, and do find it very unique uh, in that regard. Uh, and I think your leadership just reflects it as well. Well, and part, and part of it, too, is, Carrie, is I mean, and, 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 and Mike does this really well. Instead of talking to you and taking your message back to the board, he's like, hey, why don't you just come talk to the board? Why don't you come talk to the bankers? And that continues to foster that relationship. And so they're not hearing about this guy that's running this, you know, bank tech venture through our staff. They're hearing about it directly through you. And, and again, that's, that, that creates that relationship as well too. So that's, I mean, that's, that's why we do all that. We try to get, you know, our partners in front of our members as often as possible to, to foster those relationships. Yeah, and it it uh, it works clearly, and and obviously when there's that high trust uh, amongst partners, uh, it works and and continues to work. I know you guys have had some of those partnerships that have endured for a long, long time. Yeah, and it never hurts to buy a few cocktails either. Yeah, you know that that's that that always <laughs> makes people a little bit happier, right? So one of the things that I I find really curious, and and I know you guys have a strong perspective on this, is you know Illinois in a in a world where in the last Several decades, we've seen huge consolidation in community banks as far as sheer number. 
Illinois has over 350 community banks still standing, and I think it's only second in the country from a state to Texas, which just has a few more than Illinois does. So just for my audience, can you guys explain a little bit about why Illinois is so unique as an environment for community banks? You want to take this, Mike? You want me to? I don't care. Go ahead. Part of it is, I think, the reason that the association was stood up was about basically preserving unit banking. Um, And I don't know if we were the last unit banking state or one of the last unit banking states, but we were pretty, I mean, it was a, I mean, we've, we fought that battle for a long time and, and, and that, that's clearly part of it because, you know, we held off on the, you know, on the branch banking and the, you know, multi-bank holding companies and all that for as long as you can, but we're also like Texas, a large diverse state um, with a lot of rural areas and, you know, larger urban spread out areas. And so that fosters, you know, that, you know, when you're, when it's a community bank, I mean, there are even in the suburbs, I mean, there, I mean, there are a lot of community banks up there that people are like, they still go to because it's right in their community and it's not, you know, Chase or Wells or, you know, or one of those big banks that, you know, they could, they could go to, but, and maybe they have a credit card through one of those companies or something like that, but they do the bulk of their banking through the local community bank. Um, and I think that's part of it. Um, I don't know, Mike, you have anything to add? No, in many of those communities, they're the only physical banking structure yeah. in those communities. And uh, they've been there for in many cases, as Craig said earlier, more than a hundred years. And so they've established a culture and they're fighting to protect that culture of local service. As Craig mentioned too, it's why we're, we were one of the last uh, unit banking states. Sure. Yeah. So it is, I mean, I think it's interesting. So some of it is a, probably a demographics reality of um, particularly downstate Illinois. Everybody thinks of Chicago, obviously, but there is a there are a lot of smaller communities throughout the the state that, to your point, Mike, could probably have a bank that's that's there and has been there for a long time. So, yeah, fascinating. And still, a lot, and still a lot of smaller banks too. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, they I mean, banks have have realized over the years that they need to grow um, in order to you know you know really thrive. But we, I mean, there are still a bunch of banks in Illinois under one million dollars, and they, mm-hmm. probably about ninety. Yeah. And they and they and they are still strong in those communities. And as long as they've got a community that's strong enough mm-hmm. to um, to support them, you know they're they're going to stick around. I mean, it's like you go to a community. It's like we always say it's you know your it's your 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 bank, your grocery store, your bank, your post office, and your school. I mean, when, if you lose those things, and maybe even in that order, you no longer have a community. Sure. Um, and so you know, community bank is important to that you know actually to having you know a community. Absolutely. Well, and and I think you you raise a great point too, which is there is probably a, a minimum viable size for a bank in 2023 that maybe is different than what it was 10 or 20 years ago. And, you know, I think there's some industry recommendations, if you will, of, of what that size may be, which is in, in most cases, probably many magnitudes bigger than some of these sub $100 million banks. Although I feel like some of them can stick around to your point. If they have a community that is there and vibrant enough that could stick around for a long, long time, they just have to run it as a, as a good business uh, at that size. So any, any thoughts there about sort of the, the size aspect? Obviously, we saw some big ones fail earlier this year. <laughs> so to your point earlier, Craig, you know that's not um, small sub $100 million community banks fall for that happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Go ahead, Mike. Great. No, no, I don't want to. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, touch on that issue. I mean, I mean, again, 
that was, in our opinion, and probably in most people's opinion, mismanagement and, you know, under regulation, bad regulation on those banks. Um, I can tell you that, you know, if a community bank is mismanaged, the management's gone. Um, and if and there ain't, I guarantee you there's not a community bank in the country that's underregulated. Um, so, I mean, we don't have to worry about those kinds of problems. Um, but I mean, I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, they're growth is important. Um, but it's, and maybe leading into some of the other stuff we might talk about, you don't need to just grow in sheer size. You also need Absolutely. to grow in what you offer mm -hmm. and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, your, your community and your, your customers are able to get what they need out of your bank and they don't have to go to a large, you know, multinational bank in order to get the services that they want. That's great. Great point. Yeah. Mike, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, they, when you look at the uh, net interest margin, the NIM of the smaller mm -hmm. banks in this state, particularly in rural banks, it's much better than it is mm -hmm. in the metropolitan and much larger banks. And why is that? They operate in lower cost areas. They have higher efficiency ratios. They tend to have more of a market niche. Uh, and as long as they can satisfy that niche and, and uh, satisfy those customers and manage those expenses, they're going to do well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great points. And I think, Craig, to your point, having an eye on what are your customers' needs, because those are definitely not static. Those are changing. Now we have huge generational banking needs where you have younger consumers that it, they, it couldn't even maybe occur to them to walk into a, a branch because it's just not natural that they would think, why can't I do this on my phone? And it, it sort of doesn't matter where they are, to be honest. Um, and so it's how they access banking, but it's also those products and services. And, and I feel like that's where you guys have such a value to offer them to say, hey, here's a solution that can work. I know we um, spent a fair bit of time looking at ag lending innovation earlier this year and that a lot of your banks are doing a lot of agricultural lending and probably need to use more of the data. Yes, they've relied on relationships, but they can probably get even better when they use some of the the data that is coming off of, of these farms or the equipment that's out there. And so those are where I feel like collectively this is where we can provide so much value to to banks to to add to their capability and to their products and services. Couldn't agree more. We picked our. We'll talk a little bit about our innovation committee. I think a little bit mm -hmm. later. But uh, some of our innovation committee members have been mentoring mm -hmm. some of the uh, emerging ag fintech like CropTel. That's great example. We've been in conversations with Aquoso and and some others. So. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. great. And 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 that's what a lot of them need, right? Those founders need uh, a banker in in the conversation to really help them hone that solution so that it is compliant and relevant and usable and cost effective and all, all those things that that we all aspire for them to to be together. Well, on the and we talked just a little bit about the failures, you know, thankfully you guys haven't felt that in your membership, but I am curious with interest rate changes like we've seen with a kind of a wild year in banking that we've seen, what are on your members' minds as we exit 2023 and look ahead into 2024? Greg, you want to take that or you want me to start it? Why don't you start? Well, looking ahead to 24, you know, mitigating fraud, cybersecurity threats, deposit growth, I think is Craig touched on earlier, acquiring new customers, those rank 
among the top issues among Illinois bankers. And they're concerned about growing revenue and improving efficiency, which is, to me, it's kind of code for how do we grow assets while reducing expenses, while they're also faced with uh, ever-growing competition from credit unions and government GSEs, such as farm credit. Now the Biden administration's been discussing extending SBA lending authority to non-bank entities. And then now we've got non-bank fintechs that uh, pose a threat. You know, for example, you mentioned ag tech. Farmers Business Network, which is a fintech, wants to become the rocket mortgage of ag lending, allowing these entities to provide banking services without the same regulation and supervision as banks is setting the stage for a future crisis. Well, and we've seen, I mean, you know, private credit, non-bank private credit in the country has grown immensely over the last few years. And so not only is that, uh, you know, if, if we see a recession that continues to at least be potential, um, that, you know, you, you feel like there, there will be some reckoning there, you know, uh, non-bank lending has historically not had as long of a experience set making risk-based decisions as uh, banks have. So Craig, any other thoughts on, on 2024 as, as you're hearing from your members? Yeah, all, all I would say is that, you know, 2008 kind of hit everybody by surprise. 2022, three, four. I mean, there were some crazy things going on. I mean, interest rates, have, this never happened. Again, I'm not mm -hmm. a banker, but that's never happened in the history of the United States. Um, you know, so so the things that happened um, were totally different and it, it gave our bankers a chance to prepare. So I think they're prepared mm. for what may come. If it's another if it's a recession, they're preparing for it. If it's, you know, more of the same of, you know, maybe some growth with some inflation and, you know, maybe rates are going to come down a little bit. They're preparing for it. So um, I, I, I think that, again, you know, I, I you know, we think those. You know, failures last year were an anomaly, and there were a few others spattered throughout the country. Sure. You know, a couple of smaller banks, and but you 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 read the headlines, and there was always a, a factor other than you know that it was just the 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 you know the you know the economy or or a shock or something like what happened in two thousand and eight. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in one case there was fraud that took a small bank down in mm -hmm. Kansas, um, and so yeah, there, I mean, so I think our bankers are. I mean, you know, bankers, you've been working with bankers. Um, you know, there's some there's some pretty pessimistic people when it comes to, you know, you know, what they're going to budget for next year. But they're also very optimistic about, you know, their business and what they mm -hmm. can do to help their customers. So um, and, and virtually all our members financially and fiscally are pretty conservative people, too. So if you ask them, they're kind of like farmers, right? A farmer, you never you never talk to a successful farmer. They're always like, oh, woe is me. <laughs> need more rain, need less rain, need, you know, whatever. But. They do pretty well. So. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, one of the words that we've used a lot within our team this year is the word resilient when we think about community banks is they just, they tend to be very resilient. They've shown it time and time again, particularly in the last few years through COVID and beyond and interest rate change. So um, I think, you know, all great points. So the other thing I would love to hear from you guys, and, and Mike, I'll start with you. As you look ahead, let's say 10 years, <laughs> what do you think the banking environment looks like in Illinois, in the country 10 years from now? I mean, you talked about some of the threats and some of the things 
in front of us right now. You know, how are you guys helping prepare your banks for the next decade? Yeah, well, I think when you when you project that far into the future, and it's difficult to go much beyond mm-hmm. two or three years. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, I think consolidation is still likely to continue, but the successful community banks will accelerate their innovation strategies. Well, trying to maintain that personal touch that Craig emphasized earlier, you know, they'll continue to target customers that value personal service mm-hmm. as much as the digital experience, but they, they will implement new technology that will help them identify those prospective customers that value the personal touch because they're out there and they'll all, they will always be out there. Additionally, bankers will implement technology that will help them reduce fraud losses and improve their back office efficiencies and address customer service expectations. Customers will measure their bank's delivery of digital services against the practices of world-class online retailers. Faster payments will become table stakes, and payments may move from cards and smartphones to wearables and biometrics, and payments will become more seamless. In the next few years, most community banks will offer a fully digitized experience, enabling their customers to open a deposit account or apply for a loan online, obtain instant decisioning and funding in just a matter of minutes. Most can't do that today, but most will be able to do that in the next three, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all all great points. Well, Craig, you talked about this earlier with regard to your relationship with the ICBA. And just to orient everyone, you know, ICBA is really the national advocacy organization also doing things not dissimilar to you guys in areas like education and innovation as well. Uh, How, just uh, to describe for my audience, how would you describe how you work collaboratively with the ICBA nationally while also you you focus on representing your state and your, your banks here in Illinois? Sure, absolutely. I, I mean, obviously, you know, they are a national advocate. We affiliate with ICBA and ICBA alone at the national level. So, you know, all our government relations work at the national level flows through the ICBA. Now, we're one of the few states uh, associations that has our own federal lobbyist um, that works on issues and, you know, mostly within our congressional delegation, occasionally outside, you know, with, you know, through the ICBA. Um, but we, I mean, that is where it really all begins is, you know, on, on the advocacy level. Um, you know, we also work with them to, you know, promote, I mean, you know, we have, we have, we have some services that we share with them. We have services that we talk about with them. We have a great relationship with them. Um, and, and, and we, and we, you know, advocate on their behalf and they advocate on behalf of ours for membership as well. There's not a, there's not an event that goes by where I'm not speaking to a group of bankers especially when I'm talking about issues where I'm not saying, hey, and if you're not a member of the ICBA, you need to be, you should be. Um, they're looking out for you uh, on the, uh, you know, on the national level. And, 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 and there are some things we compete on. We compete on some services. We compete on education offerings. But, you know, we found a way to work around those. Um, we work with them, you know, to share some of their education. Um, and this is something they just developed in the last couple of years with the other you know, community banker states, especially the ones that don't have large education departments. To allow us to, to to funnel their education to our members um, and and provide something of value um, to them and 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 the thing I would say the reason that all this is happening is because they are just as committed as we are to making sure that there is a, you know a independent voice for community banks 
both at the national level and at the state level. They work hard to try to keep, you know, the independent community bankers associations. There's now 25 of us throughout the, the, the country. Um, and that's not that they don't work with. You know, there are dual affiliates. There are states that affiliate with both the ABA and the ICBA. They work with those folks as well. Um, but they understand the importance of that independent voice. And so um, we have a great working relationship. We always have. Um, since I've been here, I know we've had. I got, you know, with the changes Rebecca's made, I mean, being a community banker herself, I mean, that's just enhanced those relationships. Um, and, you know, we're probably as close. I don't know, Mike, Mike can chime in on this. He's been around you know, longer than I have. We're probably as close to the ICBA now as we have been, you know, in our 50-year history. Yeah, very true. Very trusting relationship today. That's great. Well, one of the things that I think is is along those lines as well, and Mike, you probably uh, can start with this, is the Innovation Committee. And you were really early as an association to set up a set of bankers who really wanted to proactively think about innovation. And I'd love to you have you share the history of that and and what you've seen happen as a result of that committee and and where it's headed? Yeah, so you know, Craig and I were talking a little bit uh, this morning before our meeting with you today about innovation, and he reminded me that we actually started a payments committee in 2017, and it was it was charged with evaluating uh, the Fed now proposal, the Fed's proposal to form Fed now, and they were on their listening tour. And our association felt like it needed to take a position. We had advocates in community banking who opposed it and those who supported it. So we formed a committee, went on our own listening tour and began participating and finally took a position that, uh, that's in support of Fed now. The ICBA came to that same conclusion shortly after we did. And then we worked together to help uh, encourage the Fed to uh, form Fed now. So we're we're strong believers in Fed now as an alternative to the clearinghouse. And the reason for that is because our innovation or our payments committee took the time at that time to 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 basically look at the clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. We had members from the clearinghouse. We had um you know their their folk come in and talk to our committee and talk to us about what they were offering and 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 so it wasn't like we just said hey they're bad we're going to go a different route. We took the time to to evaluate them. And, you know, our bankers said, you know what, they're probably, what they're going to do is just not in our best interest. We need, you know, another avenue for this, another venue that's not controlled by the largest banks in the country. So again, leading into what, you know, Mike's going to talk about innovation. I mean, payments is innovation. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, payments is everything in banking, right? I mean, and and all that stuff that's happening and continues to happen is innovation. So it was really a, a kind of a lead in um, to, you know, what we developed probably about four years later with the innovation committee. Right. So yeah, clearly payments part of FinTech, but it's under the FinTech umbrella. So our committee was formed about 30 months ago and charged with identifying, evaluating community bank friendly FinTechs that have the potential to improve the operation profitability of our CBI member banks and maybe become a preferred service partner of Community Bank Service Corporation. But at the time we formed our community, we really didn't know that much about the fintech world. We put together a committee. We began searching for an expert to address our first committee meeting. I called a guy I did know at the time, Charles Potts. I know him. I know him now, too. (laughs) At the time, I didn't. 
and uh, called Charles when he was at ICBA and headed up their innovation uh, efforts and asked Charles who he might recommend. And he went through a number of names. And then we concluded, he, actually, he offered to, to uh, facilitate our first meeting. So he flew to Chicago. We had the first meeting. I just want you to know he blew us away with his knowledge, his expertise, his flair, his passion mm -hmm. for community banking and the whole fintech world. I mean, it was a real eye-opener, and all of our committee members just bought in. And uh, immediately then, we planned to go to Little Rock, Arkansas, to an accelerator, and, and we did that. And at the, just coincidentally, it was the same time that Bank Tech Venture had its limited partner meeting scheduled. So you got to meet you and some of the folks and some of the, not just the limited partners, but also the uh, general partners and some of your uh, portfolio companies mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. Again, our folks were so impressed. They came back and convinced our leadership of the association that we should uh, promote bank tech venture, that we should encourage our members to invest. And that many have and that we should invest. And we have that we, uh, continue to uh, then work with ICBA to consider some of their uh, accelerator uh, graduates as potential preferred service partners for the association. On the front end, we've actually introduced a couple of companies mm -hmm. that went on to uh, participate in the accelerator program. So it's been, you know, it's been great working uh, both ways for us. Yeah, I feel like I totally agree. I mean, I think that that has been um, I would say the blueprint for how state associations and the ICBA and and even what we're doing at, at Bank Tech to to all work together. And I, I've been super impressed with a number of the companies that you've reached out to to me about. We see you know, one of the, one of the things I say often is you know innovation is happening everywhere, mm -hmm. and it's just hard to keep your eyes out for all of it. And so you kind of need a, a really good network. Uh, of people and partners to to be out there looking for it and and helping to to validate or or invalidate which things are likely to work or not and sure. so yeah I well, I feel like you guys have done some great great things in that well, short under, thirty months under the leadership of our of our bankers on that committee they've now helped you know to make innovation permeate our entire organization so mm -hmm. as you know we've. We've brought the ICBA uh, FinTech Showcase to our convention the past two years. Mm -hmm. We've expanded it now. We're, we're going to bring on an Ag FinTech Showcase at our Ag Lenders Seminar in, in uh, January. And then we've got a Check Fraud Showcase planned for our C Conference in February. That's great. So we're going we're to continue to follow that model. You know, we talk about innovation at, at every education seminar. We put together... A number of forms, CEO forms, CFO forms, marketing forms, op, op tech forms. There are probably upwards of 150 bankers that participate in those forums every calendar quarter. Hmm. And fintech and innovation are on their agenda at each and every one of those meetings. Uh, so Amazing. It's, yeah, it's become, it's it's ingrained in our culture now as well. That's yeah, the, so, the, so cool. The thing I'd like to point out before we... Before we move on, is the speed at which this happened. I mean, we appointed this committee in June of 2021, had our first meeting in October of 2021, and stood up a special purpose vehicle to, <laughs> to allow bankers to invest in bank tech ventures in June of 2022. I mean, that's just, I mean, and and Michael tell you, and I'll tell you right off, we don't we don't do that without our bankers. A, our bankers buy in, 
be our banker's help. As you know, one of our bankers was instrumental in mm -hmm. helping us create the special purpose vehicle. Um, so, I mean, our bankers bought in. Um, they say innovation moves fast. Well, we move fast as well to try to, to get there. Now it's, like Mike said, it's permeated. You know, sometimes it becomes a little joke, you know, innovate on, for the sake of innovating. Um, you know, that, you know, everyone's, you know, it's a buzzword, it's an overused term, innovation, innovation, but I mean, it's happening everywhere. And, you know, quite, quite frankly, um, it, it is part of our, I mean, it's part of every conversation that we're having at a board meeting, um, or any other meeting is it's talking about innovation and what we can do to, you know, keep our bankers out front on that topic. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing. I have a feeling that you guys are being also, called and and consulted by most of the other state associations around the the country now as well how do how do we do this for our members as well from time to time yeah we do and we and we are we're happy to share yeah. and we tell them i mean and some of them are i mean they, we're all shapes and sizes right we're large texas is large you know minnesota's relatively large we have some small we have some there's there are you know some state association where they have one or two staff um and in those cases we just tell them listen you've got You've got the ICBA and you have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, you know, a vast amount of knowledge there and the ability to help go to them and they're going to point you in the right direction because, you know, they, they just don't, I mean, thankfully we have a separate service corporation that sure. can set up this, in a, you know, and has bank, have bankers involved that it doesn't have to be all becoming, you know, from the association uh, board as well. So it's, yeah, I mean, and they have to take it all sh at different shapes and sizes. And, and so, yeah, we, we we're, we're happy to send everybody your way. ICBA's way, give them information. I mean, because, you know, we grow stronger together and that's what we have to continue to do. That's right. Yeah. I, that's another one of the themes I think we talk about a lot of that better together. And I just feel like that collaborative spirit in community banking is so rich and uh, vibrant. That, that's, that's what gets me really excited to be part of this ecosystem every day because um, that abundance is, is real. So, Mike, um, on the service corporation, because you guys do have um, such a, a strong one, you work with a bunch of fintechs or what I, I like to call bank techs that I think are more bank enabling as opposed to threats to banks that some fintechs are. Um, but just for the, the companies that want to work with and through community banks, what advice or what have you found works the best? for them to work with you? Just advice you would have for them? That's a great question. First, my advice would be contact me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, send me a, an email, give me a phone call, uh, or even one of the members of our committee, the committee members and their contact information is on our website at cbai.com. We've got a number of members of that committee that uh, are, I, I use the word mentoring, but they're working with a number of different uh, fintechs or bank techs or ag techs uh, to help them make their product uh, fit better fit for community banking. We're not so much working on pitch at this point. It's really how do we develop this product and service to make it more beneficial for community banking, more mm -hmm. compatible with the community bank culture, uh, rather than just saying, "Hey, I've got this new uh, this new solution. Let's try to make it fit into community banking." Sure, uh, that's not that's probably doomed. So uh, we are working with a number of them right now. So that's the best way to go about it. Obviously, we can introduce them to folks like you and Charles and, and get them prepped uh, for an accelerator in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and they have to understand, too, that uh, Mike mentioned mm -hmm. culture. And you have to change the culture, both 
you know, in your association and in your bank, because what our, what our bankers were used to, I'm going to say even pre-COVID was, you know, we would bring them, the service corporation would bring them a solution that had been vetted for years at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, this is a finished product and here you got to do this. It's best of breed. It's, it's, it, it is, it, this is the, this is the company we need to be with and community banks would sign up and that'd be great. Now, some of these companies are growing along with our community banks. They're helping them sure. develop and they're forcing. And so there's, I mean, there's some growing pains. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, a community bank like a lot, you know, they did, you know, they weren't able to do what we wanted them to do or what they said they were going to do. So it's a different mentality that you're on the underground floor of this, of helping this company help you. So you not only, it might be a little painful, but you have the, you have the ability to, to shape them mm-hmm. the way you want them shaped, as opposed to just getting this solution that's been given to you um, that you're probably behind, you know, you know, 50, 60 other banks that have already have already have come up with this. So it is a change. I mean, we have to, we talk, I know the ICBA talks about this. I know Charles talks about this. It's a culture change. You have to make sure. And COVID kind of did that, right? COVID, COVID, I, mean, I would say community banks were, you know, at best agnostic and at worst anti-innovation prior mm-hmm. to COVID. And COVID basically showed them, listen, if we're going to, survive in a situation where people want mobile products and you know a situation like that we need to you know we need to change um so i mean that was i mean that was the only i mean it's a good thing you can say that came out of it, it was that's convinced right. everybody that you needed to grow and you needed to change so it is you definitely got to work on culture and i can tell you as mike's mentioned we have the right people involved and they're helping change culture we can go out and talk to bankers like i said i've never been a banker mike has been a banker so he can talk banking you can go out and talk to bankers and say, hey, you need this or you need that. They're going to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But when one of our bankers calls and says, I'm using this product, it's awesome. You should do it. Then they're like, well, okay. Well, I know Drew. I've talked to Andy. I know you know Chad. I know all these guys. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should actually look at this product. So, you know, that's that's where the bank community that we've talked about several times, you know, actually pay comes, comes and pays off. Well, the other thing I'd add to that, Craig, is that culture doesn't you just don't flip a switch and change the culture okay it's culture really is a process mm-hmm. you know we've got bankers who, who bought into it on our committee and said you know my culture is going to change i accept that we're going to now we're now going to partner with some fintechs that may fail along the way may not deliver the, the product or service the way we want but we'll we'll be patient we'll work with them and then three months later they're complaining to me that it's not where I want it to be. It's like, well, remember, this is a cultural <laughs> change. You're literally, as the old saying goes, you're building the plane as you're flying yeah. it. Yeah, you, know, you remember yeah. that. So that's right. Well, but yeah, also, I mean, I think taking control of your destiny, right? Like it gives you to to your point, you get to influence it. You and and to me, that's also part of showing your team within your bank. Hey, we can do this, right? It's a it's a new set of capabilities and and confidence. And we talk a lot within our team about this next generation of talent, and that banks need to to really be the the cool place for top notch talent to want to to go again. And that part of it is this showing innovation and and showing the kind of culture that says, hey, we're we're not going to do crazy things, but we're going to orient to the the digital future that is is ahead of us. And so, curious what you guys are doing besides the innovation committee. You know, how are you helping banks really embrace this 
next generation of, of talent need that, that they're all going to necessarily have that, you know, are more comfortable with technology, are more digitally native to really help them. Yeah. Well, I mean, education is clearly what we're doing. As Mike says, this is, sure. I mean, we're talk, we talk about, you know, what they need to do and how they need to, um, you know, how they need to grow and, you know, the, you know, the younger people that they need to hire. And if you, and if you, if you talk to the bankers that have done this, what they'll tell you is, you know, they, they bring the product back, but then they assign someone in the bank to really take the lead and, 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 you know, move this through. And those people are excited about it because they're not just doing what they've been, what they or go to work and do everything. It's something new. It's innovative. It's it's fun, and it piques their interest um, as opposed to just doing the you know the same old you know lending or something else that they've done. This is a new avenue to do their jobs and make it better. Um, and so you know it, it's kind of it's not just you you can't just say well we're going to do this and it's going to change. It's kind of everything all involved that you have to can that you have to bring to the table. You know you have to bring education. You have to bring the products. You have to bring you know, again, it's not when you when you say culture change. Yeah, the CEO can be I'm all in. I want to do this. But he's got a board of directors. He's got to go back and convince mm-hmm. or she has to go back and convince, um, you know, that they want to do it, too. And so, you know, we try. That's why we try to put this. I mean, we try to put it out as much as we can. We do it at directors conferences so directors can see it firsthand um, that this is the you know the way you need to go. Um, it's clearly I mean, I would say the struggle. I mean, you kind of brought up the struggle. The struggle is. You know, a community banker is you know going to continue to be able to find staff that want to go and and work at these community banks. And when they're when they're when when a, when somebody shows up and says, you know, it's just a typical community bank, and they say they're doing they see they're doing these kind of neat innovative things. Um, hopefully, that excites the next generation okay. of community bankers um, to uh, you know to to continue in this great profession. You know, one of the things I might add to that is uh, in the state here in Illinois, we're really fortunate to have a, a community bank, a lot of community bankers who support the innovation effort, but one in particular I want to point out is Greg Ollendorf, who, who runs a bank here in, in Illinois, and he has become a disciple of community bank adoption of uh, emerging fintech, and we've had him speak on this subject at a number of our forums, including a convention and our uh, director seminar, mm-hmm. trying to explain to bank directors why they need to embrace uh, an innovation strategy, and, and he's also traveled the country. So, and our CBD, our young bankers. I mean, uh, that's great. That's a great. Talk about that next generation. I mean, he's he's talked to them a couple of different times about this stuff, and they can tell you. I can tell you that they light up a lot more about it than the directors do when he's talking to a director's mm-hmm. conference. Right. And his son was past president of our CDD group. Right. And, mm-hmm. and he too is a disciple. Yeah, that's uh, no. You guys are you. You definitely have uh, one of the, I would say, leading voices uh, with Greg for sure. So, uh, uh, and I think you've 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 gotten that a lot of benefit from that. So, you know, another change I've seen within the bank is a, is a title. You know, I go back seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine years ago. I'd never heard of a CIO. Sure. Now, virtually all banks have a CIO. At least banks over two hundred million in assets mm-hmm. have a CIO. So they they're making that commitment to yes. Uh, adopting innovation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great point. Well, a few things I wanted to cover. So let's do a little rapid fire as we kind of wrap up our conversation. And I'm so appreciative for you guys spending the the time today. Um, First thing, I'll start with you, Craig. What advice do you have for Community Bank that says, we really need to move ahead on our digital transformation innovation journey? What should we do next? Um, Yeah, I mean, that's, 
if, if, if they've made that commitment, um, then they probably need to reach out to the ICBA, to us, to you, and, and start looking at um, two other bankers and start looking at what that means for them. I mean, what does that mean? That Does that mean a product? Does that mean you go to your core and you just try to do something that your core, do you go to one of our, um, you know, one of our preferred partners and, and, and try to create a product? I mean, you have to, I mean, again, we're happy to talk to you about what you need to do, but you have to know what it is you, you can't do. Okay. We want to be, we want to be innovative and we want to you know, come in and then, well, what is it that you want to be innovative on? And so you have to, obviously you have to do some planning and you have to know what you, what it is. We can, we can, we can take you to the solutions as can the ICBA and everybody else, but you really need to focus in on what exactly um, that you want to do. But the key is making that decision, right? Once you've made that decision, then there are a lot of people out there that are willing to help you. Um, what we're willing to do is we're willing to basically steer you in the direction of people, of, you know, entities that we know have been successful with other community banks instead of maybe just somebody that's going to come in and say, hey, I want to help your bank. And next thing you know, it turns out to be a bad, um, a bad solution. for them. So that, that's what I would say. I would say, you know, reach out to, you know, whatever, you know, your association is, whether it's us or the ICBA or, you know, somebody they know like you and then and try to figure out what those products can be. Great advice. Mike? Well, just to amplify on what Craig said, you, you got two choices. You can go the heavy lift, which is, okay, let's look at the bank's strategic plan and what's our mission, who's our customers and what services will they need, what we need to offer to retain and grow profitable customer base and then assess the bank's current tech stack and, and core abilities or a much easier lift, as I think Craig was pointing out, there are a couple of programs that, that a community bank can say, let's put our toe in the water. Let's do something quick. It's easy. It's not expensive. Hmm. And let's see if we can do this. And then we'll build on from there. And each success builds to the next success. That's right. It's it's a journey, right? There's no silver Absolutely. bullet. You've got to, it, the, the change to your point, Craig, make the decision and then start on that, on that path. Right. I, would say, I mean, there are Mike, some of these partners that are really plug and play, right? right? You can plug yeah. them in anti-phishing, all that kind of, I mean, those will be, can be up and running in your bank in a matter of weeks and you don't have to have all this huge, you know, you know, output of, of, of cash and capital and everything else in order to start yourself down that path. That's right. And you'll learn from each subsequent one as well. Yep. So great, great advice guys. Well, let's go to the other side. Let's say I'm a startup who wants to work with more community banks. Mike, what advice would you have for, for me as a startup? Well, you're going to need to get in front of community bank mentors, ultimately, mm -hmm. that can help you tailor your product and pitch to benefit community banking. So you know, our, our innovation committee can help provide bankers who are willing to consider mentoring new startups. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the potential, and then we can recommend them to the ICBA uh, as a potential participant in their accelerator program. And we've recommended two uh, startups that, that have gone through the accelerator. So there is a path. And we'll be glad to help them. That's great. Craig, any, any thoughts there from you? Yeah, I, I would I echo what he says. I would just say, you know, some of these, some of these, you know, these innovators, these CEOs that start up these companies have often worked with larger banks and larger entities. And they develop this product they think would be great for community bank. And they realize very quickly, community banks are totally different than these larger entities they've been working with. And so they need to get in front of those banks and figure out, you know, this might have been, been important to Chase and it's not important at all to a $200 million mm -hmm. bank that I want to sell my product to. And so that's that's the key. I mean, you got to, 
you got to make sure that you get the right, you know, the right bankers, as Mike said, mentoring you uh, on your products. Yeah, I'll give you one other example of a, of a, a startup who approached me and I asked him for his due diligence package. And he's like, what's that? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I mean, he really is operating out of a garage with no idea how to work with a bank. Sure. Great, great point and, and great advice. So you guys are huge advocates for community banking. When you talk to businesses or, or people and they find out what you do and they say, well, why would I want to work with a community bank? What's your answer to them? Craig, what would you say to them? Uh, it's a simple answer because the community bank is going to be about you as a customer. Mm. Community bank can't afford, you know, to, to, you know, run off, you know, 500 customers um, just to try to chase, you know, the one whale. They want them all. They want every, they, they want to work with every single person and they're going to do what they, you know, what they you know need to do to, 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 uh, you know, to get your business. And, and mainly because, you know, when you walk into a community bank, there's a really good chance you can walk into the office of the president and sit down and talk to that person, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a personal banker who's sitting out there, you know, not saying that they don't know their business, but, you know, if, I mean, if, if, if you want to, if you want to talk, if you want to, you know, you know, talk to the person who's making the decisions, they're probably sitting right there in the bank. And so it's that personal, we talked about earlier, that relationship, that personal touch as to why you, I mean, a community bank is just, it is what it is. It's a small business. It's the same reason why, why would you go to your small mom and pop, you know, grocery store instead of going to one of the large super chains? Well, it's because, you know, you walk in there and you know that they're going to, you know, they're going to basically, if you, they don't have what you want, you can probably, they'll probably order what you want. They're going to work directly with you and it supports the local community as opposed to supporting, you know, a corporate, you know, board somewhere. Sure. Mike, thoughts from you? Why a community bank? You know, I, I, I'll tell you a story. Craig mentioned I worked in banking back in the 80s, and I was working in the Metro East, and uh, a well-known and popular restaurant caught on fire. Hmm. And uh, the owner of that restaurant didn't do business at our bank. But the president of the bank and I ran down there, and he put his arm around, and the, the owner of that restaurant was doing business with a, a big bank across the river in St. Louis. And our, our CEO put his arm around the, the owner of that bank or owner of that restaurant who was in tears. And he said, tomorrow morning, whatever you need, I will take care of it for you. And the next day that guy was in our office and eventually we built that restaurant. It's a successful restaurant. And then not only were they a great customer, but they became great friends too. Uh, and that, that was, you know, that just continues to motivate me today. That story. And yeah, we just see that epitomizes it. That, that's yeah. such a great story, Mike. Yeah. We could probably give you a dozen examples of of bankers' emails and voicemails they've received from people, especially during COVID, saying you saved my business because you gave you helped me when nobody else would help me, um, and that's what they do. And they do it because, as Mike said, they have servants' hearts, but they also do it because they, they know that you know at some point in time somebody helped them, um, and the only way that this person is going to get ahead is to is to get is to get help, and you know that's what they're there to do. It's our culture. Well, guys, that, that is a great story to end on and, and such great perspective. I knew this was going to be a fun conversation and, and it was every bit that, and I just so appreciate all that you do and, and your leadership in this industry. Um, you do it for your state, you do it for the country of, uh, and all community banks. And so I just want to acknowledge that. And also thank you for the partnership. It's been a a great one to get going and and really excited for what's ahead. Look forward Our to seeing pleasure. you soon. Yeah, we'll see you uh, Wednesday night. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.